Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. Uh, welcome back to Discount Film School. Um, if you make movies long enough in kind of one regional area, um, even though it feels like every, especially like major city, is kind of saturated by filmmakers and by art, you'll eventually start to run into like the same people over and over again. Like it starts to feel like a much smaller world the longer the, that you do it because the people that are actually like consistent with creating stuff uh, just keep popping up. And that's what's going on here. I, ju- I actually kind of just met JP uh, Decizio. Ah, Decizio. De- fuck, I fir- That's okay. No, it's because I read close it. Enough. I actually, you, you made a point to put the pronunciation in a Facebook page or something. Right. I tried to remember it, but I didn't. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, I've I've gotten JP Disco before. Discuzio. <laughs> you'll do. You'll Dio. You'll like, go with all of that. Yeah. <laughs> you should buy every one of those domains. I should definitely. Um, but. JP has been mentioned on some past podcasts, uh, Mark Santos's, the uh, makeup guy, makeup Mark, if you will, and uh, Sean Clark, uh, cinematographer, director, general artist. Um, and you've worked with both of those guys. Yes, I have a few times. I saw there was a, I think it was called the Best of Boston um, film series. It's screened at the Brattle, and I went there in oh, 2011. No, you know, it was the um, Boston Cinema Census. Yes, that's yes. exactly what it was. And there you screened two movies, um, one of which I, I rewatched the other day, but the, the name escapes me. There's the, it's it's uh, the writer, right? The, the one that was shot on film. Yeah. Um, it's funny that I'm blanking on the name. The final sentence. <laughs> the final sentence, yeah. right. And then there was also the, and this one really kind of blew my mind, uh, the the old men. Kind yeah, of, so it's, it's got a long title. It's called Failure Means a Drowning Death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all of your stuff so far that I've seen, and then you pointed me towards the right direction on your Vimeo page, which they can, everybody can take a look at, uh, Overdue Films. Yes. Um, extremely visual film director. Uh, we've discovered that you are. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, really incredible looking stuff. And, and, and I think the key to it is like, we, we've all seen good cinematography and we've all keyed into good cinematography and said, oh, that guy really did, did something with that space or he really did something with lensing or whatever. But what I what I really love about what you're doing is um, set design and art design. Oh, you, yeah. you place just as much emphasis, if not more emphasis on that than anything sure, else. Sometimes the most emphasis. Yeah. We'll talk about that. So what's what kind of well, why don't we start from the beginning? Start from, uh, you know, were you always a film kid? When did you get into this whole thing? And what kind of. Yeah, that's funny. I was, I was trying to think about this on the way over. Um, You're like, I'm gonna have to tell my life story. Fuck. Yeah. No. Um, I'd say my initial interest in filmmaking was, you know, special effects, which is probably my kinship with our mutual friend, Mark Santos. Yeah. Cause I, you know, from a young age was really obsessed with special effects. Um, you know, from the moment I saw Jaws and then like was completely freaked out by the movie. So my parents bought me the Jaws log, which is just like a blueprint of that entire movie. And, you know, you flip through the pages and you just see, you know, you literally see blueprints of the design for the shot. Did you see the movie before you got that stuff? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And you responded to that. Like, I think it was the first film that I realized like, Oh, somebody made this like this. Cause I'm so terrified by this. So that was attractive Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even swim in pools for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. 
so yeah, so I think my parents, you know, out of panic, bought me that book and just flipping through it. I didn't actually read the book. I actually read it about a year ago for the first time, but oh, I've wow. had it since I was a really little kid. Um, but yeah, just seeing those, seeing like the blueprints and the behind the scenes shots and, you know, starting to realize, okay, someone put this all together. So yeah. this is, it's probably my initial interest in filmmaking was discovering that it was, this movie didn't come out of the sky. Right. Right. Uh, there's actually, there was some planning that had to be put into right. ultimately the experience I had, which is horror. Yeah. You know, what was it for you? Do you like recall a moment yeah, in your yeah, childhood yeah. where you're like, <clears throat> Okay, wait, this is interesting, but it's not real. Somebody made this. Why did they make it? Yeah, no, it was, it was, um, uh, and I've, I've actually on the podcast, I've gotten to talk to the people who made the movie, which is amazing. Uh, but it was, it was Trey Parker's first movie, Cannibal the Musical. Yeah. It was, I, I had, I had gotten into animation a little bit around that point. I had, was a movie lover all my life. I definitely grew up on Indiana Jones and Star Wars and, you know, American kid sure. uh, type stuff. I, I wasn't growing up on like uh, Kurosawa, you know, right. I, don't, I don't know too many people that have. <laughs> I, I, I recently talked to somebody who did and it kind of shocked me, but, um, cause he, his like parents were, um, uh, were like film professors. So right. that's what, Real that's how he progressive. saw it. My parents bought the most staple shit off the shelf and we're like, he'll like this and they didn't pre-screen it or anything. So sometimes I ended up with some fun stuff like yeah. rated R stuff. I mean, too, my, my dad would just like on a whim, someone would recommend a movie and he would just go and get it on VHS. Yeah. We'd yeah. watch it and then there'd be like, and that would be your taste because in it and you're like, uh, um. <laughs> you're all sitting there. Yeah. Staring. Very ignoring, uncomfortable family. Ignoring one another evening. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, but I remember, uh, cannibal was the one where, I could, without even needing to hear any commentary tracks or watch any behind the scenes, I always responded to behind the scenes stuff. I always wanted to check that out. But that was the one where I could see in the narrative, in the way they were performing the whole thing, you could see the making of it. You could see the fun they were having. It was a comedy and it was funny, but the jokes existed on this kind of like meta level. And I was like, oh, if that counts, then I think I can make a movie too. I think that's for a lot of people. That's why like a lot of low budget or kind of marginal stuff is what gets them into it. Yeah. But Jaws, a lot of people have that story with Jaws, which is really yeah, I've, I've, re- I've realized that over the years. Just, just, it's just one of those movies that I think affects you because it's you can relate to it. Well, at that age, are you you're, are you watching Jaws, going, oh, I want to direct a film, or are you going, I want to, oh, I want to go build that thing? I think or, I think I was more interested in the construction yeah. and, and makeup, and then I became really obsessed with Tom Savini because I checked this book out from the sure. library, that very famous Tom Savini mm-hmm. book about makeup. Um, Does that lead to the Romero stuff? And um, I think it, yeah, I want to say, started with probably like Friday the Thirteenth, and then just like. Yeah, becoming obsessed with Dawn of the Dead and yeah. really like interested in his style and then learning that it came from his experiences in Vietnam where he was actually like it's like seeing body parts explode yeah. and it's almost like He brought it back with him. Right. He brought and it put back it on with screen. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really sort of disturbing, but mm-hmm. also you know, interesting to want to try to replicate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It takes an interesting mind and an interesting artist. And he was a total Renaissance man too. He was like actor, actor director. director yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I remember when I went to, uh, I went to Mark's makeup school cause he went to the Tom right. Savini school know, makeup. Yeah. yeah. And I never, I didn't meet Tom or anything and it, word on the street is he's like a kind of a dick, right. but, um, but in a kind of a sensible way. Um, but I did meet, I got to meet like all of their instructors were, uh, industry professionals. The guy I worked with was named Jerry Gurgley, who was like a Babylon five guy. And right. a number I think of I've other heard things. Mark talk about him. 
Mark really, really looked up to him and, um, and they did my head cast together. So Mark kind of got to be like the assistant hand in doing my head cast. But so I was 20 years old and I was just like, we should make this movie, you know, the complete whimsy, complete like naivete that like whether or not it could get done. And I just kind of ran into Mark on like through a friend on MySpace. And it, it turned. It's oddly, in, I found Mark through Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turned into like being in Pennsylvania one day, um, getting my head cast by an industry professional just because I asked. Right. I don't know how many student filmmakers know that. It's pro- it's probably like part being naive and just not being afraid to fail because you know what do you what do you have to lose? You almost have to have this like autism moving right, forward. Right. Like, well, why can't I do it? Yeah. <laughs> do you feel like that dissipates with age? Like as you as you grow older, like you, as your like, feet get more firmly, as you understand the complexity of man. of this beast that he, you're trying to like. That's why. Create. That's why I wonder how important it is to get in, like get in early. Be, right. Like 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 you should prove to yourself that it's possible before you gain the brains to know that it's not. Right. That's <laughs> probably like that's probably a huge factor. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I mean, my first project, my first major project was a feature. Right. Um, and it was not because I was like, you know, I wasn't being, I mean, I was being delusional, but not on purpose. I just, the movies I liked were feature length. Yeah. So. That was, you know, I was, I watched sexually Frank last night and I've never made a feature film. I've always been deathly afraid of them. I've written really? a few, not very good, um, sort of abandoned them, have been churning out short after short after short. And am slowly gearing up to to do that, but it's it's taken a lot of confidence yeah. to, to build up to making a feature film. I what think. is it that you think? Like, are, are you afraid that halfway through it'll crumble, or like, <clears throat> is is it a production problem, or is it more like I want to make sure it's the right project? I think, there's, I think there's there are many factors for me. I think you know because the work that I do is highly visual, it also translates to being expensive. Yeah. So yeah, the length of a feature film would you know be. More expensive, I think, to do. The visuals are the price point. It, right. Like, you know, you can you can write for free. <clears throat> you can cast actors for free. That's for sure. Um, there's there's so many. And they're talented and they're non-union. And you can cast all of them. Um, you have to look for them. There's a lot of untalented ones, too. Yeah. Way more. But there's a lot of talented ones. Um, you can rent cameras for free. You can ask for those for free. You can do everything except for, like... That raw talent of like art design, what goes into that art design, that's what's expensive. I remember talking to somebody, uh, if a friend of mine that I went to college with, who, who's uh, his name is Doug Bergdorf. He's very, very big on Vimeo now, actually. And he's got, a, like you, total visual mind. And I remember being like, this is how stupid I am. I remember being like, why don't you just like, that's the expensive stuff. Just get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> just like, get rid of it. And he yeah. was like, that's what makes me the filmmaker I am. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> because that's not what makes me the filmmaker I am. I, I, something else does, whatever that is. I don't know. Yeah, I think like as as I wrap my wrap my mind around a feature, like I'm thinking far less about design now. Are you? you know, yeah, just trying to like discover interesting places that that design is already location. There. Location is huge, and and that's why I think Massachusetts is is great. Like last night, literally twenty minutes outside of the city, drove to a castle in the woods. You know, like in. And no one's there. Yeah. You know, like that's Massachusetts. That's what is great about it's like a film set just sitting there. Just sitting there. Yeah. yeah. And no one's going to bother you. Did you ever live in like LA or anything? I haven't actually. No. I, I, I was there for a brief, you know, for maybe six months um, thinking I was going to do it. And very quickly I was like, yeah, it's devoid of culture. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's, it's not for me. And, yeah. and I've actually never tested the waters like you have, but mm. I just, I just know. No, you're, you're, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're totally right. I mean, look like California, 
there's lots of places you can shoot. That's the whole point. That's why everybody's out there. Uh, cause there is such a diversity of, of terrain and, and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, like building structures and stuff like that's all we have the old shit yeah. over, over by the coast, which yeah. is appeals to my sensibility. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 um, jaws kickstarts it. What's next? I'm trying to think here. This is like, <laughs> I mean, I made the obligatory VHS films as a kid. I had a Sony, Those like, I had a, um, Fisher Price Pixel Vision, which I still have, Dude. which I got refurbished from a guy that like modifies them. There, that's worth something. That oh, it's worth a ton. Yeah. Does, it, it, am I right in remembering that that's the camera that shoots on? Audio tapes. It's, yeah, they yeah. shoot on cassette it's the tapes. The only one, yeah. S- specific cassette tapes. I think they're like dual layer, so they're hard to find. They're a little more expensive, mm-hmm. but dual yeah, layer cassette like tapes. something like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, they shoot on cassette tapes. Wow. Yeah. Um, and you made a bunch of movies with those as a kid. I did. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, lost the tape, and it's been like my holy grail oh, man. for like the past fifteen years. I know it exists in my father's house. And every so often, like, I will go through a box in the basement just, like, hoping to find this tape. Archiving uh, your old shit is, like, a big, for me, a really big thing. Like, I, I, I don't want to have ever lost anything I've ever made. Yeah. Um, no matter how shitty, no matter how, like, I did that for public access or I, I want it all. Um, I, 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 for me, uh, looking back on all the things I've done is kind of an important piece of this. Um do you find yourself going back to some of the first things you, you oh, yeah, did and yeah, and yeah how, do you, how do you feel about them? Uh, they're awful. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're abysmal, but I, I love that they are. Does and it feel like you made it or does it feel like when you have enough distance from something, you feel like it's it was a, whole, a whole, different, whole different person. Yeah. A whole different human being made this. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and what, where that really gets complicated is, so it's one thing to be like another guy made that and it sucks. It's another thing to feel that way and then run into somebody who's like, oh, I really like that movie. Like I made my first first feature was like a kind of a, I don't know if you know, trauma entertainment. But oh, I, yeah, of course. Of course. you Of course. Do. Okay, good. I, and I know you've had work at Trauma Dance as have I. Have you? Absolutely. What movie? Um, I had my movie Scatterbrain and then that one oh. Failure Meets a Drowning Death. Um, oh, they, also, both, they was, both They were. both were at Trauma Dance. Well, they're, they're, they're way above trauma dance caliber um, no, i love trauma though yeah i mean it was a great honor i remember just being like trauma that's is, how i felt this is it like they well it was my first feature i need to lose 10 pounds got into trauma dance 06 and um and i went out there and i was like because my whole thing was i you know i went through college and everybody was like you know i'm gonna get signed by caa or i'm gonna do something in los angeles or whatever i grew up in the trauma school of filmmaking like i read all of lloyd's books and shit and he's been on the podcast which is really fun and um my one goal was to get distributed by Troma. And they acquired the movie. They acquired the feature. They never did anything with it. But they acquired it. And it was a big, exciting thing. And then it was a total, like, long fizzle out. Um, looking back on it now, I'm like, why don't, they, why don't they just put it out? At this point, they're uploading their shit to YouTube for free. They are, yeah. And I know there's, like, I actually just, for the, I just signed up for Hulu Plus. Yeah. And I know there's a huge campaign to keep their work on Hulu because Hulu wants to take it down. Oh, really? They, yeah. Because, yeah. Of, because of the content or... I'm not sure. Maybe they just, because they're all fancy with their Criterion enough. collection, um, maybe they're just trying to dissolve trauma, but trauma just keeps pushing, like, <laughs> watch these movies and they'll keep them up. The herpes of, uh, of indie filmmaking right. is how they describe right. themselves. But they, uh, yeah, so that went to, that, that, that was my big deal was like, can I get into, you do this trauma dance thing? And um, that was a big deal. But, but what's funny is like, that was my first feature. I look back on it and I go, Oh my God. Like I don't, I can't stand it. But how, how old were you when you made it? 14 to 20. 
Wow. <laughs> yes. So are people like aging in the, oh, yeah, throughout yeah, yeah. the process? It's part of the, that's amazing. Part of the yeah. fun. Um, my character, especially because everybody else, I at least asked them to like keep their hair the same way and stuff, but I didn't ask that of myself. Um, I kind of tried to make it a joke, but people, people dig that about the movie. But re- I mean, we started shooting when I was 17 and then went to when I was 20. So it was a three year shoot total, but conception to completion, 14 to 20. Um, and people look back and they love that movie. Some people, not everybody, but some people are like, that movie's hilarious. And I've watched it a million times. Your other two, fuck them. You know, a, a bone sexually Frank, fuck them. But that one, cause that's, the, that's the kind of stuff they respond to. And maybe when I was 13, 12 or 13 and I was just getting into this stuff, that might've been the kind of movie I wanted to watch more than anything. Yeah. But now that I'm like, you know, like getting closer and closer to 30, I'm just like, I can't do it. I'm not into it. So yeah, it's it, but, but, but I like, I like that about filmmaking. I want to, I want to look at kind of like the various stages of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in that phase where pretty much with the exception of maybe like one or two films, I look back and I'm just like, it's just not me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it must've been weird when I asked you, I was like, well, what should I watch? What, how should I get the JP experience? Yeah. And you're like, uh, <laughs> what, what do I t- tell him? Um, yeah. I mean, the only, the only immediate films that come to mind that I've made in the past five years that I'd want that, that I only show to people are the music video that yep. I think you've seen yep. that every I did for you, the, yep. yep. For the binders, every little thing you love. And then uh, this film called scatterbrain, which mm-hmm. is sort of like 22 minute musical about a singing brain. It's really fantastic stuff. Yeah, um, it, it really like, uh, it, it's got a unified vision with lots of diverse ways of doing it with, you know, animation, silent film. It's got a silent film era, feel to it while being the most colorful thing. Yeah. That was, that was something that I remember when I was writing it, I just thought it would be like this, like, you know, fake scratches done digitally and like really cheesy kind of way. And I'm just like, no, that doesn't exist now. Mm -hmm. There's no need to, to pretend that this is something that took place in the past. It takes place in its own weird world. It, It only, it only, it used, um, it used what works in silent comedy without being like, this is an homage to silent. Comedy. Sure. It, 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 that, at least that's what I got out of yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, for me, silent films are as relevant today. You know, I can yep. watch a silent film without ever being bored mm-hmm. and it seems as fresh and as new. As... And is that why you respond to music videos as well? I, I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to gravitate towards music in film. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if I'm interested in a song, I can, the visuals seem to pop up. Yeah. Um, so did you, uh, did you have to license all those songs in Scatterbrain or did you I, just go for nah, it? I just went for it. Yeah. <laughs> I tried. Um, they wanted nothing to do with me yeah. or they wanted a ton of money, Tons um, of money. that I didn't have. So mm-hmm. um, it's too bad. It's too bad that there's not more like, um, just well, there probably are a lot of, but it, the songs you want are never going to be no, available. No, yeah. no, I say just go for it. Like, if you know what the life of that film is going to be, if like, you know that you're not going to get DVD or paid distribution, right, right, because that's really all that matters. Uh, screening at festivals, they almost all forgive you. I mean, it's going to sound really awful, but I just lied. And just, yeah, yeah. No, do you have it. the rights? Absolutely. Go go do the work. <laughs> That's all they need to do is hear you say yes right. anyway. Yeah. So um, it's kind of just a formality. Sure. No, I'm I'm, I'm completely with you. And another th- go, just just tying together scatterbrain and the fact that people can see it on Vimeo. Like you could just pull up to your computer right now and watch this movie. Yeah. Um, and talking about archiving our stuff. One 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 thing that I really kind of admire is that you do kind of just put all your stuff up there. Um, at least so far. I mean, I've I've met a number of people who 
have the same feeling that we have, which is like somebody else made this movie. Therefore, I'm not going to share it with anybody. I'm going to go kind of try to hide it. And yeah. I think that's a mistake. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, at least with a, I mean, at least with a short film, make it readily available. Like, why not? It's the mo- it's the place where you're going to get the most views mm-hmm. on your work. So yep. you might as well just like the second it and I feel too like the second I finish it, I definitely want it out there. Yeah. Um I know you're not I know there's like it's taboo to if you're applying to film fest submitting to film festivals you're supposed to you know like hide your shit because they're going the festival is going to have a problem with the fact that they don't want to program something everybody could have already seen right, right which makes them old-fashioned by the way yeah which makes the whole to me in my mind the entire like concept of a film festival kind of old-fashioned well yeah because i think well, they're two different experiences like you mm. can view something online um or if you view it in with an audience it's, it's mm. a different feeling so yeah. i would absolutely watch a film online and then go to a film festival yeah. and see it. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I like as a, as a filmmaker, I want to, you know, if I work two years on a feature, I want to at least watch it with an audience once or twice. Sure. Yeah. And that's th- really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. It's extremely satisfying. I, but, but f- to allow festivals to define the life of your film, it seems like a mistake to me. Um, and as far as like, the festivals existing for getting distribution. I mean, this is really not true anymore. There's just too many filmmakers, right? And too, distribu- many, and too many film festivals and too many film festivals. Your distribution already exists. It's called Vimeo. Yeah. It's, you know, and like a lot of people have a real tough time with that. But if you, if you, if a major distributor distributed their film for free, they'd be like, okay, I did it because they feel like it's just a weird validation thing that's going mm-hmm. on. And if you get hung up on that, you stay hung up on that. You're not going to keep creating work. Right. Uh, you're going to get yourself way down. So I really, I really dig that. And I also dig kind of the bravery of like, well, it's not really my thing anymore, but you know, if two people watch it and like it, that's it. That, I mean, that's how kind of free and open Vimeo can yeah. be. Well, that, that film Scatterbrain has had a pretty good, like local festival life. And yeah, and nationally as well, but it's... I would it's, imagine. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think I made it in 2007, so it's six years old, but it was mm. being screened up in film festivals up until about a year ago. So it, That's it, kind of exciting. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. People seem to, like, rediscover it mm-hmm. by accident, um, and then... That's definitely know, the kind of movie that, like, a, a an 11-year-old kid or a 12-year-old kid would watch and be like, oh... Let me go grab a camera. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I, for me is like the highest compliment. Yeah. That's um, amazing. I remember when I was, I was on the set of, uh, the guy who's going to write my next feature. Um, he's doing a documentary on Lloyd. So we were like, ah, like we have Lloyd in common. And, um, he, they're shooting the return to Newcomb high, the Newcomb high sequel. And he said, would you like to ca- uh, camera op for me? And so I said, okay. And we went up to Niagara falls and trauma attracts 19 year old kids from all around the world <laughs> to work for free. And they're all kind of crazy, obviously, but they're all way into trauma. They, they remind me of myself when I yeah. was that age. Um, although I'm not sure I would have uh, gone like to the ends of the earth for them, but I was a big fan. And, uh, there was this one kid from Iceland who was like, I'm tired of everybody saying that trauma is so bad. It's good. No, it's so good. It's good. I, I want to make those movies. And I was like, he, he was really offended by the idea that anybody, I, I, I remember telling him, I was like, yeah, but don't you think the accessibility of its kind of lo-fi look is what makes people want to become filmmakers? Notice that all of your, all of trauma's fans are artists or aspiring artists. And he still thought that, that was kind of an insult in a way. And I was like, to me, that's like the highest compliment. Yeah. Somebody came yeah. up to me and said, I watched the thing you worked on and it made me want to go make Absolutely. something. Absolutely. That's like the Yeah, I mean 
I watched um, Toxic Avenger again recently. Mm. What a vile movie <laughs> that I watched when I was like seven years old. I'm yeah, like, I what's wrong with my parents? For <laughs> they probably didn't know. It's um, weird that like that tr- that the Toxic Avenger was able to penetrate the culture that much. Yeah, that like you would have had that your parents would have picked that VHS up. Yeah, that would have been available. I think it was my uncle actually. Um, uh, that explains it. Well, there was a cartoon at the time called The Toxic Crusaders. Yeah, yeah. Which is so weird to have that, like, this children's show connected with this. <laughs> you take this, like, awful. Disgusting yeah. movie. Um, and they made video games and toys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It was a big thing for a while. They really tried to, they were kind of riding uh, Ninja Turtles coattails with, like, the green sort oh, of. Oh, coming from the sewer, kind of. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Makes sense, actually. They're like, oh, we could acquire that property and do that. But I, I can see what you mean. Like seeing a trauma film, you're like, okay, this, I can't make Jaws. No, I can't make a mechanical mm. shark, but I can, you know, like make a bunch of fake blood. Yeah. Throw some raw meat in there, sure. you know, and it's, and I have some special effects that, you know, people might buy. Yeah. And if they don't, they'll be laughing and, right. and that's a reaction that's too. A, that's a good reaction. Yeah. Sure. Um, sure. And tra- so trauma kind of makes that all okay. Yeah. It, you know, and, and, um. So they're important. It was it was interesting to talk to his name is Jeff, the writer. He was able to relate it to the Ramones, like musically. Yeah. Whereas like there, there's he was basically saying there's lots of bands out there that do the same thing um, that have these kinds of sounds where you're like, oh, OK, I could probably reproduce that in yeah. my garage or something like that. So. Um, so Pixel Vision. Yes. I love it. I hope you find him. Uh, um, yeah, I know. I mean, I know exactly what the tape looks like, too. Really? So, yeah. Off. I, I I recently found like a few like really precious VHSs where I was like I thought these were gone. Yeah, I I, I found a film. It was one of my first. Um, it's called Dead Doom. It's a horror movie. I think it was like eight years old, and it's a zombie movie. And I'd been looking for this tape. It, it lived at my friend's house, and I've been looking for it for maybe ten years. And I just know that we we taped over a taped version of Pinocchio from the Disney channel. <laughs> and I just like, I just remember that it just said Pinocchio and I would always remind him like, you know, if you ever come across a tape that says Pinocchio, there is a zombie film that we made when we were little kids. So we need it. Yeah, we need it. And I think like a, two years ago, he called me up. He's like, I got it. <laughs> so it was amazing. Is it's it just, awesome? It's um, Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's incredible to see how very little I've changed mm-hmm. since then. Like it's got, we were talking about like, production design and it's got that you know like we yeah. we flipped over a couch so the flat side was was upright and turned it into a bar and then printed on like um on like a mac computer we printed like triple x's for you know of course like a bar yeah, yeah. pasted those up and like we had costumes and everything and it was like okay so it was it was kind of it it spoke to the kind of filmmaker you want abs- to be someday absolutely yeah. like it, it made me realize that you know my basic approach is still the same. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. You're, you're just kind of hard coded at least a certain way. Sure. Um, you know, so I've got this YouTube channel. I got a Vimeo channel. I got like a, you know, you're, you're all spread around on the internet. Um, and I always kind of wanted to have a place where people could go for all of it, like every bit of it. Yeah. But there's so much crap from the early days that it's like, that would just turn people off and shit. But then I, I made, you know, so you're overdue films. I'm Red Cow Entertainment. And uh, somebody somebody strongly suggested, especially since I did the podcast, they were like, you really ought to do a Facebook page. And I was like, all right. I was like, can you do it? <laughs> I was yeah. like, I don't really want to hand. I don't want to do that right now. And they did. And they did kind of a junky job. And I was like, OK, I, got, I guess I got to clean this up because he already published it. 
And so I put up, I was like, well, I should probably post some content. So I posted like a trailer to something, you know, to the first movie, a trailer to the second movie. And I started to fill it out a little bit. I was like, oh, there were some reviews and stuff. And then I kind of realized because there's the sort of timeline format where you can date the posts that you're putting on. Yeah. I realized like I kind of have a sense of the dates for everything I've ever made. Oh, that's actually, that sounds like a really positive use yeah. of social media. Yeah. For yeah. once I was like, oh, I could actually use this yeah. timeline thing. And I yeah. like, so if you go there, you will literally see at, from 1992, wow. you know, the first like little whole movie with my parents yeah. all the way up till it's now, fantastic. everything like it's without, fantastic. without exception, or at least that's the goal is to make it without exception. Um, so it, 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 nobody will look at it, but if they do, it's all there. Like if I die tomorrow, it's all there. It's a great record. Yeah. yeah. I worry about that too. You know, like I still have 16 millimeter films in drawers that yeah. I, you know, that I haven't transferred. They're not digitized. Anyway. No, no. Yeah, you should definitely do that. Yeah, yeah. And I did the, I committed the sin of all sins recently. Mm. So I took one, like a 16 millimeter I made in college and I needed to, um, it's actually like auditioning to teach a class for New York film Academy. And I was like, okay, I want to show all the different formats of film and I'm going to like put them on a poster board and I'm going to, sh- that's how I'm going to present it. Yeah. And I took this film and I'm like, Oh no, like I need to cut a strip out of this. something of yours, something of mine. And I like unthreaded it, cut it off and like glued it to a piece of paper. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore. Ah, um, it's gone. Um, <laughs> and I know someday I'm going to want to, I want to like pay the money to get it transferred. But yeah, but you'll be missing those frames. Sure. Yeah. 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 Desecration. <laughs> it's like we're the only people who give a fuck about our own right. stuff. No one's, we no one's ever going to care. Yeah. We do um, care about it so much. So, um, all right. So, so, so you've, you're, you kind of go through that phase, but when do you, when do you transition away from like, uh, like I remember for me, it was like trying to get friends together and trying to get them interested. And it wasn't hard. Everybody loves movies. Everybody likes playing. Well, now we're sort of going to immortalize yeah. our play on screen. But at a certain point you become too serious for everybody. Else. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that happened to you. Oh yeah. Without question. I mean, I think, yeah, if I could, if I could like trace my trajectory, I think it was, yeah. Special effects really interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really interested in stop motion Cause you know, like I was a weird kid and, yeah. and really introverted. So that allowed me to make films mm-hmm. without anybody else. And then, and then that's big. I made a friend that also likes stop motion. I'm like, okay, there's someone that thinks like me mm-hmm. now let's like start, you know, writing silly stories and dressing up like gangsters and take it absolutely dead serious. <laughs> um, but it, yeah. And I would corral some of my friends to take part, but I think that the turning point was basically going into high school Mm -hmm. it was it suddenly became just not cool to a lot of people yeah right for me and i I was almost almost embarrassed by it like oh like i'm not gonna get laid if i keep (laughs) doing this yeah it's a weird it's it's strange how like you would my my uh maybe 12 year old brain goes like no this is cool you're doing something cool yeah but yeah, no, very quickly people are just like, what are you doing right. with your fucking cameras? Yeah, I was, I think for like the, f- you know, the four years of high school, I, I, I wrote a little bit, but it's mostly closeted mm-hmm. and around my friends, it wasn't really, I wasn't really talking about filmmaking or actively making movies. So yeah. it was sort of a strange, yeah, non-existent, miserable time. Did you, but so you had the friend that was also into stop motion. Yeah. Did you kind of stick with him? No, we sort of like went our separate 
went our separate ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. Dude, are you still in contact? I am. Actually, he was a childhood friend that my my dad was uh, his dad's best friend growing up. So we were sort of like paired together from a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And... You know, we'd always like go a few years apart from each other and then like meet up again and realize our interests mm-hmm. were lining up. Um, and he actually he went to Emerson uh, for his undergrad and then moved to, to L.A. and has just been an editor for like. Oh, so he's still into it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an editor, I believe, for just like relatively bigger wow. feature films. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for him. Did you ever, uh, throughout all of high school, end up like pairing up with anybody else or did you get kind of a little group together? No, I didn't, which yeah. was really like, I was really hungry for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd been writing a lot and squirreling away notes that did- were really dark and depressing stories <laughs> that were just like just went through that. trying to be Quentin Tarantino. Um, yeah, of course. Well, that's the, that, those four years are, are for that. Right. Because like, even though like it looks so puerile looking back on it, like you're supposed to discover Tarantino sure you know once you have you're like okay I get it but right. you, but that first time you discover it, it's a big deal I think for a lot of kids I wasn't one of them but for a lot of kids anime is that too sure absolutely. where it's like oh my god like it's it's for a lot of people it's kind of an introduction to international entertainment yeah um, and the idea that like there's more anime I could watch than I have time in my lifetime yeah um, I think for a lot I think that's like kind of special for a lot of people um but so did you not know really how to like approach anybody about it? You were like, I'd like to get, you, you said you were hungry for it. I was, but you know, I went to, um, so I grew up in Waltham and my parents sent me to Catholic school at a really mm-hmm. young age. So like all throughout elementary school, I went to St. Agnes elementary school. And then in high school I went to, um, Arlington Catholic. Oh, so you went to Catholic school all yeah, the way. Yeah. And I think art was art equaled homo you know like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's what it did and, yeah. and i think and homo equals bad in right Catholic school. yeah absolutely yeah. and it was a really small school so like anything yeah. you did was visible and i think i was yeah like i was honestly like a closeted filmmaker you're like i better hide this yeah throughout high school um <laughs> i don't think my friends had any clue that like like i got new friends you know like as i yeah grew older kids beating you up in the bathroom for fucking making a zombie movie. right yeah um <laughs> like hey guys you want to watch this gus van sant movie and they're like what Fag? yeah <laughs> um so yeah, yeah, actually it's an odd time where I just didn't make movies. I still feel like I'm making up for that time, which is strange. Really? You're like, yeah, oh, yeah that makes sense, it's, actually. It's weird, you know, because like, I have a lot of friends that have just been always continuously making movies, and for them, it it, it seems almost second nature, and I mm-hmm. still feel like that was a time when, you know, I wasn't making films. Yeah, like that was a muscle that you didn't necessarily work out. No, no. Yeah. So like when I got to college, I actually went to film school. Um, so where'd you go? Went to the I went to uh, Keene State College, which I I, sp- I speak out against anyone going to this film school. It's in Keene, New Hampshire, and it's the only school I got I got into. So I applied to Emerson, applied to NYU. Applied Are you to my like, age? Are you twenty seven? No, I'm thirty two. Oh, okay. So then I think maybe Emerson was more selective back then. You know what it was? It was because I think it got less selective. But maybe. I mean, I was an absolute fuck up in high school. Oh, okay. Did, like my grades were some of the mm-hmm. worst. So it was going to be hard to get in anyway. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. So like it was, Keene State College was like, they had a film school that no one really knew about mm-hmm. and I got in. That's where I went to film school. Um, and you, it was no good for you. Why not? I, I would. Okay. Yeah. I can't really entirely speak out of, against the film school experience. I've always been a bit skeptical and I think that just validated well there's film school the concept and then there's the film school you go to right right i'm not sure that emerson's right for everybody either yeah like if you're looking for 
four years of nonstop narrative filmmaking. This isn't really the place. Yeah. Um, it can be if you want it to be, but, but, but what Emerson is really great about is it attracts all those weird kids that didn't know who to go to about filmmaking sure. in high school. Yeah. They all come here yeah. and guess what? They don't all like hug each other and go, thank God we found each other. They all compete. See, that's interesting. And so it gets that, weird that, again. That, that was what was different about mm. at least maybe one of the positive aspects of going to a really small school in the middle of nowhere, New Hampshire, that also had a film program was that it, it wasn't pretentious. Yep. It seemed like a lot of people were discovering filmmaking for the first time mm. in their like, I like early that. 20s. Yeah. Um, that's what my grad school experience was like. Yeah. Suddenly it was like, oh, now I'm watching people like... Some of them in their mid twenties, late twenties, discovering filmmaking for the first time. It's actually much more exciting, right? Because they have like some of them were coming from like psychology backgrounds, and you know, sure they've yeah. had a, they've had a different framework, yeah, to right. apply to filmmaking. Right. And I think anything's valuable. Any mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. world experience is valuable as a filmmaker. Incredibly, yeah, yeah. If you know nothing but films, right, right. But yeah, no. So Keene State College. Um, was great though because I did meet like my long lost brothers. I just remember being like, "Oh, there are others like me." Like, yeah. this felt so good. Suddenly, I felt like completely renewed. And it never g- became competitive. It was no. always kind of collaborative. It, slightly, I think there were like there were divisions, but I think very quickly I found the filmmakers that I liked working with. Yeah, and we sort of helped each other out, and there was a camaraderie. And was there a home for the kinds of films you wanted to make? Like, we're we're they in no way snubbed or cause definitely like making a movie called Abo the Hugh monkey yeah. about like a half man, half ape at this place. Yeah. Um, yeah. People were like, stay away from that fucking guy. <laughs> yeah. He makes those. Movies. Oh wow. No, yeah, I yeah. mean, I would have been ecstatic to be part of something like that. Yeah. Not everybody. Um, <laughs> no, my, my, my early college films are really funny. They're, they're, there's always like drugs and like a lot of alcoholism. I was obsessed with Charles Bukowski and oh, really? Jack wow. Kerouac. So there's this very like, I don't know. This is really like um, romantic visions of <laughs> myself okay. um, reflected in it. And I think th- those early films are interesting. Those are the ones that I think I will always go back to because it, it shows I was trying as hard as I could to show what or at least how I th- saw myself yeah. as a filmmaker and, and replicate life around me because I was so interested and it was so new. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to trying to do that which if you look at some of the films i make now you know there's just like aliens and guys with their brains singing they're really they're <laughs> kind incredibly of like, oh, surreal yeah yeah yep. yeah. yeah they are very that, that that that's kind of the the word is surreal throughout yeah. i think throughout most of your stuff that i've seen um the content can be wildly different but they all have that the, the head is always cocked left just a little bit what's uh well why is that is that just the way you look at the world or that's yeah that's I mean, I think I, usually the stories that I conceive of, they start out pretty normal, mm-hmm. you know, pretty straightforward. Yep. yep. And then I always tend to just, it is more interesting to me to add something because I think it'll be fun to make too. Like yeah. it's a, yeah. it's almost like self-indulgent right. to say like, okay. I'm going to well, set up a set of circumstances that will be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we're, we're both friends with Mark Santos and I love his work. And I think like every time I start to write something that's straight dramatic, I'm like, okay, it's a relationship movie. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but what if one of them was a werewolf? Yeah. I call Mark up. I'm like, can you make a werewolf? <laughs> I gotta make, I gotta get yeah. Mark busy. Yeah. Um, and he's always down. He's a total artist too. Like yeah. he's always down for new stuff. And yeah. You've never heard Mark be like, dude, come on. Like yeah. you never ever will. He's always like, yeah, man, I'll get started on that right yeah. away about next week. Yeah. <laughs> he's always excited. Um, 
Which is, I don't know, that seems like kind of a cheap explanation as to why there's... I think it's a great explanation. Yeah, I mean, I really like that. I like creating worlds, and it's fun to just, like... And then your work, too. I mean, so I haven't seen Abo the Hue Monkey, but, yeah. I mean, I can imagine... I've seen stills from it. Yes. And I watched... You've sexually, seen Marks. Yeah, and I've watched Sexually Frank last night, which is, you know, like, I felt like I knew you watching the film. So, like, meeting oh, you today you. was interesting, because I'm like, I, I don't think this is that different from no. your personality. I feel like you were trying to get as close to your friends and your relationships as yeah. possible, which is really interesting to me as well. Yeah. I, uh, when I finished that movie, I looked back on it and I was like, you know, what's kind of cool about this, at least for right now, right in this moment, I can kind of show somebody this and they know me really well after an hour and a half. Yeah. Like how many people, how many times can you say that about anybody where you're like, here's, here's an hour and a half long right. document. If, if you're nice enough to give me right, the time. Right. Um, so I just, I thought that was kind of cool. And yeah, there, there's lots of, there's stuff tucked into that movie, um, about making films that you don't know the purpose of why you're making. Right. Yeah. You know, the plot, if anybody hasn't seen it, it, what my character is making this thing about a, uh, like a comedy sketch about, um, a guy who puts his toe in this chick's ass and every, it, it's really important to him. Like it's really important that he complete it, yeah. and and it was I made the sexually frank for as a thesis film for Emerson for my grad program, and and they were like you really need to explain why this is important to your character, yeah, and I was like you an, don't you don't all just get it? <laughs> yeah, you're all filmmakers, you know. Yeah. Like he has this idea, he has to see it through, he has to see it. Yeah, yeah. Completion There's, is what's right, important, right? Yeah. Um. After that, he can look back on it and snub it or whatever yeah. he wants to do, but completing it is most important. I've always said that to people who are like, I want to get a crew together or I want to do this. Where do you find people? They always ask me like, as if like I'm like looking under a rock and just like, come on out guys. Um, now you attract people sure, and you attract people by com first of all, completing things. They, yeah. they have to notice that you like, well, at the very least he'll, he'll finish it. And then you also have to pro project a, um, your personality type and, and you know, you're saying like, it's a self-indulgent thing to just kind of have fun like that. But if you don't show other people like your crew or your cast, that it's going to be a fun experience because yeah. it exists on like, that's, that's my, that's my, like, that's the overarching goal of any project that I have because I know that I can't pay people. So why, uh, maybe why would someday they do I would love to, but right now I can't. So it has to be fun. If yeah. it's, if I'm ever being an asshole to anyone or someone's not having fun or they're way too stressed out, then something's, something's going wrong. We're not doing this yeah. right at all. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And people do. I mean, I've, I've been on my share of very oh, I have crazy. Too. I have to. And I'm yeah. just like, why am I doing this? I don't yeah. want to be here. This is this sucks. <laughs> this yeah. is like, how did we make something this fun suck? This right. Much? Right. Um, yeah, I think it's taking totally. it too serious. Like you, like you said, your character in sexually Frank, he's very serious about what he does, but obviously he attracts people yeah. that, they're, they like that he's serious about mm -hmm. something that is so fun There's to, 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 to do. What did, I mean, Troma always said, they were like, we don't take our content seriously at all, but we take our effort seriously. Sure. And, and, and I don't think you can have like a lot of, I don't think that you can have a fulfilling time because there's fulfillment and there's fun. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. Uh, I think you're having fun if you're doing something fulfilling. Absolutely. And, um, and I, I've, I've, I've been told that like the movies are productive while being fun. And that's not, that doesn't, that's not always the case. Um, there are times where they just show up to a shoot, make a horrible film and, uh, but they had fun. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I reserve the right uh, to, to have fun and make a shitty movie. But uh, in general, yeah, you're trying to get something done. Um, so, so you, you do start to hook up with people and do you start to like, 
like I, I like the idea of continuity through my movies, like working with the same sort, the same yeah, people too. over and over. Yeah, again. I think you develop relationships that mm-hmm. are sort of like over time. I think the, those folks understand you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it comes to a point where you're collaborating, and sometimes you just don't know where an idea came from. Yeah, you know whether it was your cinematographer, or your editor, or something like that, and that's just because you everyone, all gel. Yeah, you all gel, and I think that's great. Yep. Um, also what's really great about Massachusetts and being mm. a filmmaker around here, it's, it's a small enough town that you can work with the same people continuously, but it's, it, it's also a big enough town where those people are talented. Yeah, no, yeah. totally. And, and that's what I was saying at the top was like, if you do, if you work in like in mass, for instance, for enough years, like you and I were kind of bound to meet. Um, there's a number of actors now, every time I make a new movie, I'm like, Oh, they're still doing it. Yeah. They're still out there. They're still making themselves available. And you know that those are the most serious people. Um, that they're, they're looking for like unpaid work six years later. <laughs> and I don't look down on that at all. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Like the, yeah, it means you like what you do and you're going to keep doing it. Um, so d- what's the kind of like the first project that you're like, I finally accomplished exactly what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. That's, that's my film scatterbrain because it, 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 it affected is. me. Yeah, it was mm. the first film that I, I actually felt outside of, mm-hmm. which was interesting. And, and some things that I didn't quite intend, um, made their way to the surface mm. and it was, and it affected me. Yeah. Like, like I actually watched my own work for the first time less critically and more just like emotionally it was like, Oh, like I, I get it. I get the story. There's something going on here. Was that a moment after editing where you were like, okay, I got to play the whole thing back now. And yeah. Like, no, oh it, fuck. It works. Honestly, I don't think it happened until like at, at, whenever I complete a short film, um, I'll invite anyone that's worked on it and any like family and friends to my house. Yep. To just project it, make a bunch of food, Absolutely. drink a ton. And I think mm-hmm. that's really satisfying. Um, and I think it was that moment where like f- projecting it for the first time in front of people and getting reactions mm-hmm. was, was, was great. Cause mm-hmm. I've made plenty of films that just yield no reactions whatsoever. People which is just, the worst. Which is the worst. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather something, someone laugh hysterically at something that was intended to be dramatic and serious yeah. Yeah. than just nothing at all. You're just looking for emotion. Oh, it's, 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 it's terrible. But um, yeah, that was the first film where I really like, I felt something. I mm-hmm. was like, okay, I was communicating a theme. Like there was a theme that I was working from the whole time. Yeah. And that came through. It wasn't yeah. forced. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't plot driven. It grew organically out of yeah. what yeah. everybody was doing. Right, right. So, um, let's use scatterbrain as kind of like a lab sure. um, to kind of understand your process and sure. what went into making yeah. that movie. So, uh, uh, let's start from conception and let's work all the way through production. Yeah. So I, I had seen a film called the devil and Daniel Johnston, mm-hmm. um, which is a great film about a schizophrenic musician. I know Daniel coming, Johnston. Yeah. Coming yeah. up in the eighties in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. um, and his work, you know, his work is just incredibly like stream of consciousness. You know, it's lo-fi recorded on cassette tapes. Awful and singing. Awful, like terrible singing. Yeah. Um, nonsensical lyrics, yet something is so pure and amazing about yeah. about his work. And then to like, he had this sort of tragic life where, you know, this 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 affliction just kept, you know, affecting his family. And, and he'd get, he'd go to jail, he'd go to a psychiatric hospital, and it seemed... I don't know. It seemed really compelling. He's in that class of artists like uh, Tiny Tim and Sun Ra. Right. Yeah, where yeah. they're just like, they're not pretentious. Like right. anyone, any like 
anyone that's like a hipster, they, they, they want to be like him, but they can never be like him because he's not trying to be that way at all. He just is. Can't try. Right. Um, so I saw that movie, um, and I really related it, related to it. And oddly enough, my, my cousin, who's a writer, who's written some of my short films, his name is also Daniel Mm -hmm. suffers from the same affliction. And, and I, and I, I just saw this like really direct connection with what was happening in that documentary and like just there's such a parallel between those two lives and I sort Mm -hmm. of experienced it you know secondhand through him you know this like mental illness Mm. which was really hard to watch and and hard to deal with too so it's like that was my response to to making the film it's like okay I just I want to understand this a little bit more so I my first approach was to just make a straight narrative very like you know very much just like about schizophrenia yeah um and then I started like relating like listening to Daniel Johnston's music, which almost sounds like a child is singing it. Yeah. So I, I started to I started to develop a story about childhood. Um and I started retracing like what what I was attracted to in my childhood. So books that I was really into, like where the where um where the wild things are and stuff yep. like that. Yep. Um and then I started watching, oddly enough at the same time, Buster Keaton films. Mm-hmm. And his character is almost like a child. Yeah. So like this grown man child. So oh, it's wow. just, so you're seeing all these disparate yeah, there's all these, there's all these that all share something. They all share like that, like lost childhood. Mm-hmm. And then strangely enough, I was living in a house that my family once lived in and I, and I moved out when I was four mm-hmm. and in the basement were all my childhood toys just sort of like rotting and deteriorating away. Yep. And I was like, okay, the, all these elements are like speaking to me. You know, there's like literally my childhood is un, is beneath me Yeah, and it's creepy now. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. really creepy. So and schizophrenia aside, you, you already told us, I mean, you were pretty quiet. You've, kept to yourself right felt suppressed maybe by catholic school number probably yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah i still feel suppressed by um (laughs) but yeah so so all these all these elements were like speaking to me and i I was actually in a pretty down place at the time Mm -hmm. i was just like driving a truck for edible arrangements around boston and like midwinter horrible just delivering like the happiest goodies in the world to people and them just like shitting on me for it. So it was just like, oh, this is like, yeah, this is depressing. So I started sketching out that. <laughs> That's so awesome. Just, just images from that and listening to Daniel Johnston and then this other Are you singer. an artist? Um, sort of. Yeah. Kind of. Well, do you, do you sketch to... To come up with ideas, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Your, that's part of your process. Yeah, um, not so much anymore. But for that film, I was doing a lot of like really bad drawings. Yeah. To, well, that makes sense in a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just looking at looking at reading children's books, uh, watching Buster Keaton, listening to Daniel Johnston, listening to Joanna Newsom, like um, sifting through all these toys that yeah. I had. Um, and then my my roommate was a college friend who had just been dumped after like this like three year relationship. He was like cheated on. He took it terribly. So he moved in like, he's like, I'm going to stay for three weeks on your couch. Three weeks turned into like a year. Oh my God. And he was just really quiet and really depressed. And he's always been this really happy guy. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to cast him in this part. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I think he's already living it. He's already living in my mm-hmm. house and, and he's a, he's a really good, good actor. Like yeah. silent. Yeah, he's actor. got a lot of presence. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so all these elements sort of just came together and I didn't think I could make the film because I, I just didn't have the money to do it because it was going to, I had to pay, um, there was actually a special effects artist named Ben Chester mm-hmm. who I think has also done a lot of work for Troma at some point. Oh, really? He's out of Rhode Island. Um, so this is before I met Mark and I had to pay him, yeah. you know, like a, a reasonable rate to right. do, to do this, to, to do this work. So I had no money and I was just filling up notebooks with ideas, songs, mm-hmm. pictures, whatever. Um, 
And then I got this really wonderful job photographing construction sites, like for cash under the table, oh. 20 bucks an hour. Like I was like flush with cash all of a sudden, like, <laughs> like hand over fist, like every Friday, just getting like to take photos, to take photos. It was yeah. like the easiest job ever. And yeah. it was like, okay, this can feed my addiction. So like we just went for it. You mm-hmm. know? Like I just started every, every paycheck that I got just went straight to you know, funding the movie. I think in, in the end it cost like $5,000, Yeah, which yeah. was the most money I've ever spent. That's a pricey short. On a, it's a pricey yeah. short. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you shot digital. I shot digital. Yeah. At my house turned my kitchen into a set, turned my mm-hmm. bathroom, bedroom. Yeah. Basement. So did you, I mean, those look like really stylized spaces. Did you paint them or what? We painted them. Yeah. yeah. I hired a, um, an art director who had never worked in film before. He was mm. more of like a spatial artist and like a sculptor. Yep. But I liked his stuff cause all his stuff was sort of decrepit childhood, you know, it was yeah. like beautiful and really sad at the same time. So right. he came in and, you know, worked with all these props that I had gathered and just converted my entire house. Like, so for my roommates and my brother was also my roommate at the time. It was like, they had to live <laughs> in, a film in, the, set. in this weird film, <laughs> like expressionistic yeah, right. films that, um, and they did for some time after too, because <laughs> you know, I never quite cleaned up like a lost childhood. Right. They had it to was, live in it. Right. I didn't invite people over. I'm like, so this is my kitchen. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> That would, that would, I would like that. I'd be like that. I, I, every time I go to JP's house, I'm at a film yeah, set. Like, yeah. I, I would kind of dig that. Yeah. But. Um, so yeah, that's how it came about. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, like you said, a lot, a lot came through editing too. So who do you, so you assemble a DP. So this wasn't, wasn't Sean. No, this was actually just me. Um, a friend from my film school experience named Kevin Bergeron and then mm-hmm. the actor, uh, John Clark, really who was also the him. editor. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. So it was, yeah, it was just the three of us the entire time. Uh, so you're on camera for a lot of it. Yeah, I did. We we shared the lighting and we shared operating. So you feel really comfortable with lighting, with cam opping? I, I did. Up until that point, mm-hmm. I considered myself a DP. Like People mm-hmm. were like, what is your strength? It's, like if I had to be one thing. Right. If yeah. I had to be one thing, it would be a DP. And then I met, of course, our mutual friend, Sean Clark. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a DP. <laughs> <laughs> not if this is what a DP no. is. Yeah, no, no, exactly. no, no, no. I met him. We worked together for the first time. And I was like, what if you put the light over there? He's like, no, that's not going to work, but we can try it. And I'm like, oh, it looks like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This guy knows how to get results by just thinking about it. He doesn't have to like you know, move the light around until it looks good. Yep. Like he just knows this practical application of his craft. And That's it was it. just amazing. I shot the, you know, my trauma movie there. It's called, I need to lose 10 pounds. The first feature. I, I cam up the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, I would never say I DP'd it cause I didn't, I can't, yeah. I yeah. operated a camera. Um, <laughs> and it's okay, but it's not, it's not, you know, anything special. Uh, but after that, for the next movie, I was going to play Abo. I was going to be Abo. Yeah. So I need somebody else to shoot the movie. And, um, I, I'll, I'll never, I would never go back to even trying. Um, not just because I'm untalented at it and because there are lot, there's lots well, of talent. It takes out away. There. Like if you, if you want to be a good director, you yeah. can't do it all. Like you're going to be, you're going to be doing a disservice to yep. the performance and, and everything else. I'm quicker to what I often tell people, at least what works for me is I don't think that I, I definitely think you should offload photography to somebody who's, who can really focus on that. Um, but I don't think you should offload producing. Right. Cause some people will be like, Oh, I got to go get a producer. And I was like, now for a low budget thing, you really ought to be tied to sure. the resources that you're getting. Well, you getting can control making. everything. Yeah. And if it's a, if it's for me, if it's a money issue, I need to know where every little red cent is that, going. That's what I'm saying basically. And, and you also need to know where every second's going. Um, right. you need to, to design your own ske- shooting right. schedule and know, 
I only gave myself three hours to do this for a reason. And you know, you can't have somebody else imposing that on you. Right. You're going to fight with them the right. whole time. Of course. Fuck that. Um, make me, you know, to me, the first sign of a bullshit low budget movie is like, oh, I'm going to have you talk to my producer. It's like, this is a bullshit movie. Yeah. I, I know for a fact it is. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I would never turn back. And I, I also think that, um, the director DP relationships are really important one. Sure. Um, I think that that needs to, you know, you, the director has to have a great relationship with their actors. Um, but the DP has to be, I think almost a familial, uh, bro- brotherly relationship. Sure. Um, at least it is for me because it's, I mean, that, that really is like <laughs> filmmaking is the art of nothing outside of the frame matters. Right. And they are the ones dictating what's in the frame at the end of the day. Yeah. So yeah. Well, there's, I think there's an incredible amount of trust you have to give exactly. to your DP. And I think a lot of amateur filmmakers are afraid to let go yeah. and just trust someone, you mm-hmm. know, because they think that every frame is so precious, but it's a collaboration. You're going to be more satisfied if you communicate your vision. Well, you let it go to somebody else yep. and then you meet somewhere in the middle and you get something entirely new and surprising versus just like, this is mine. Like everything yeah. about it is mine. <laughs> it's like good for you. Yeah. Um, if you like, uh, if you, if, if you have a, like a Sean Clark, if you have a talented guy like that, and, uh, you tell him like, <laughs> you know, I want, I need you to work within this thematic box, Yeah. but outside of that go crazy. Um, first of all, it's going to be really exciting to see what he comes up with, right. which is part of the fun. Absolutely. And two, like, you know, why would you try to restrict talent like that? Sure. You know, I learned, I learned that pretty quickly from like, we've collaborated on many shorts mm-hmm. and I think, I, you know, I was trying to really specify yeah, precisely what I wanted and, and, and not a hundred percent knowing what I wanted either. And I think with someone like him, yeah, you need to, you need to inspire him, but you also need to let him play a little bit yeah. so he can exercise. His you, you should be directing them like you direct actors. Absolutely. You don't give yeah. an actor a line reading, right? You don't give, you don't tell them where to put the tripod. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, so then, uh, so post-production, talk about that a little bit. I want, I just want to, cause it, it was color corrected, wasn't it? Or no, is that no, really? No, no, no. That, that was like one of my, this is where I'm sort of a romantic and I know mm. Sean and I always, we always butt heads about like, I want to do everything in as camera. much as humanly possible in camera. Like it, if I can't see it on the set, I, I can't see the the bigger mm. picture. Mm. So I, it needs to be like, I would never just want to shoot clean and just grade it later. Like Le- that leave seems, it up to that. Yeah. Right. Um, I try to get as close to it as possible. So yeah, the film scatterbrain was not touched wow. color wise, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's really, really cool. Yeah. Cause uh, the color is like one of the biggest characters in the thing. Yeah. What did I, I shot on a Canon X H a one, um, which was like a tape HD. Camera. That's what we shot. Abo on. Oh really? Yeah. It, it was actually, you know what? It's one of my favorite cameras. It's a great camera. Yeah. yeah. It was the first time I was like, Oh, like this is, this is looking great. It was the one without the end. Inter- it, it didn't have an interchangeable lens. It didn't. No. Um, that was the only thing that kind of yeah, sucked that was about the it. Downside. But other, other than that, it was, yeah, it was HDV. Yeah. And it was a pretty great camera. Yeah. And you could, you could really dial in specific looks like mm-hmm. you could go in there and tweak every setting. And yeah. that's what we did. You know, when we needed like more color. We just punch it up right on the camera. Just the saturation. Yeah. 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 Um, and you edit with the actor. Yes. Or he, no, he was the editor. And um, so how does, so what's that co- co-editor? Um, and that's, we've been doing that since college. Like, I mean, he still edits your stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Which is great. So what do you do? So you hand him the footage, you say, show me a cut and then we'll come back to no, it. No, 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 no. We you sit we, there together. We sit there together. Um, I generally log the, the footage myself mm-hmm. and go through each take and take, take notes. Um, and then or sometimes we do that together and then we'll go like, we spend more time watching the footage than we do just jumping in. Yeah. 
and editing it. And then we sit down together and one of us drives and edits. The other person makes suggestions and then we switch places. Are you a Final Cut guy? I am, but as of late, I'm starting to get into Premiere. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I've, I've done all my films in Premiere. Yeah. Uh, mostly because you can... I think it's better. It's, yeah, I, I actually prefer the program and yeah. uh, I learned on it. That was part of it. But it, I learned on it because I was a... Uh, a windows user, but you can like nowadays you can buy a much beefier. You know, if you want to have like a, like a awesome editing station, you can buy a PC for a lot less. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like the, for me, the only reason to buy a Mac and I like Macs. I have to, I'm an IT guy. I have yeah, to, I, have no, to support, a, I, I can only work with Macs now. It's I have to support, just, I have yeah. to support everything. But at the end of the day, it's like the real re the only real reason to buy it is to, use software that's not available for windows. And if you find yourself using windows software, it's something to think about Yeah, because windows eight, like at this point is like, it's, they're all just fucking operating systems, yeah. you know, Mac OS versus like windows XP was a different story, but now it's just all operating yeah. systems. So, um, whatever works. Although the, a good reason to buy a Mac is that you could, you could run windows or Mac on it. Right. You can run both. Um, so you have the best of all worlds. The one thing I think we can agree on is Avid. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I so that's originally what I was working from because that's what it was taught at in film school. Mm -hmm. um, and like the second I discovered Final Cut, like within a day, I just completely abandoned. You're like this makes so much more sense. Yeah, I was like, this is not intuitive. Yeah. whatsoever. How do you, how do you like uh, working on film? Do you have you enjoyed that? Oh, like working on like actual, actual film? Yeah, like you're 16. Oh well, it's been, it's been it's been so long. Um, you know, I shot that film, the final sentence, just as an exercise in the mm -hmm. fact that we had free film yeah. and a bunch of Bolexes, mm -hmm. which is really fun. Um, it's actually, for me, it's, there's more freedom because you can only do a few takes yeah, and you can't like lean over your DP shoulder and monitor exactly what's going That's on. True. So you watch the performers. It's a different feel. Yeah. I like it. I think, I honestly, I think, um, if you have the opportunity to ever shoot on film, like students should yeah no I, I, yeah. I agree and I think I think people still go to film school for that too yeah I think it's one of the main draws is like well I may never make movies on film ever again but right. at least through college I will you can yeah. say that you did it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there's sort of a at Emerson they still uh, use the steam decks see that's that's a little crazy to me like mm -hmm. it um, yeah, that was the point of that. Yeah. I, I just don't quite get it anymore. It, it, like that. I don't get, I mean, tell us any transfer edit digitally makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, if you want the aesthetic, if you enjoy the process, yeah. but, um, I don't know. I, I, the argument is, uh, to gain an appreciation for the, for what used to be done and stuff. But sure. I mean, how, how far could you take that? I mean, like, could you take that to like analog tape, tape to tape? Just do people. Right. I think probably people are. I yeah. Imagine. Probably some somewhere, people are like, somewhere. you should. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's all means to an end, you know? And it's, it, it's, it's a, I'm conflicted on it because I, there is no good argument for it. And yet because I've done it, I'm always going to be glad that I did. Sure. I'm always going to be like, yeah. oh, that was cool that you I can did hold that. that above other filmmakers. You're like, yeah, yeah. But really that's just me having like some hipster cred. And right. What's that? Right. Worth? What's that worth? Yeah. Not 40 K a year. That's no, for sure. no. Um, so what's going on now? What, what are you gearing up for anything new or? It's, yeah, kind of sort of. Um, I had a few false starts with music videos that I started to conceive of and yeah, every, every little thing you love was like two years ago. No, Not we even? finished it last August. Yeah. So yeah. Just under, just under a year yeah. old. Um, and that was great. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a great, it was really fun to work on. Yeah. Um, and people can see that too on the Vimeo page. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, you know, it's a, an 11 minute music video. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's a short film. Really. It's a short film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm actually going back to school 
of all this oh, talk you? about school, I'm actually going here to Emerson. Oh, you are? Yeah, for their MFA program. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah, that's what I just finished. Yes. Yeah, about yeah a year I'm ago, about yeah. to start that. In oh, awesome. Fall. Oh, we'll see lots of each other then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess like just gearing up for school, I've been trying to sort of self-teach a lot mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. lately. So this, this past year, I've been trying to study acting a little bit more. Not that I want to be an actor. I just, I just don't understand the craft. And I feel yeah. like it's really important for a director to at least be competent as an actor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just in, um, the directing classes they teach always have a, a, like the first half, literally the first half of the semester, you're essentially taking an acting class. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which your acting by the way was, was great. Oh, thank you. Actually Frank. Yeah. I was, um, I wanted to ask you like, probably what everyone asks is the whole directing yourself business. Cause I taking this acting class, we had to perform these scenes and, and you know, I fall into like director mode Yeah, really hard to like, were you like glancing up. at the camera the whole time? And well, no, it was, it was, you know, it was live performance, but it's still like blocking a scene and, yeah. and trying to find the emotion that you're working from. It was really, really hard. It, it, it almost like took two separate brains. Yeah. Um, how did I do it? I don't know. I, the, the, the whole movie was shot extremely casually. Yeah. Um, it, well, we shot that whole thing in 16 days. I should mention that like we hammered it out. Yeah. But while we were shooting, it was very kind of lax and it had to be for the performance. Cause so I'm not, I'm not an actor, but I've acted many right. times. Well, so was I, it, was it, were you reading from text explicitly or was it just like a, yeah, a, those are not, that, that, that like, is not an improvised movie. Really? Yeah. That is all scripted, which so we were really proud of, proud it of feels, ourselves. It feels like it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's really organic. It's happening. Yeah. That's what, that's what the Australians told us when we went to oh, Sydney. Wow. They, they, they were like, uh, did you improvise the whole thing? And we were like, uh, no, but I'm really glad you think so. Yeah. We did. No, I, I was almost convinced like yeah. watching it last night. Thank you. Uh, well, what it was, was that the, my, the character who plays, so the actress who plays my wife is my wife. Oh yeah, okay. And uh, the guy who plays the um, Neil, who like uh, gets busted for the uh, getting felt he's up. Great. By the, so that accent that he has—that's real, right? He's not an actor. Okay, it, it, that's just what you it comes down to. You couldn't pay like Mark Wahlberg enough <laughs> to come up with that. Like he just—that's who he is in real yeah. life. He's been my best friend since. Um, he's in the background of all my other films because he's just been like a crew guy. Yeah, but he's he's been my best friend since we were little kids, and. Um, when I asked him to please star in the whole movie, he was like, fuck no. Yeah. Uh, like I can't do that. And then it slowly kind of talked him into like, it's going to be fun. Nina's going to do it. She's never acted before. I'm going to be, you're going to be with me. We're going to yeah. have a good time. And he's like, this is such a bad idea. And we would just sit around and see, this was the key was we rehearsed with improvisation only. We did not focus on this. Oh, really? So what, so we would do, I would say, here's what happens in the scene. And we would read the scene like just to ourselves. Yeah. And then we'd be like, all right, so we got to just make all those things happen through an improv. That's a great, that's a great exercise. Yeah. yeah. And I so then like, you're just in touch with what's going on in the scene. Yeah. I mean, that's in my acting class. That's, you know, basically you, you read the script and you just try to, even if you flub the lines, you, mm. you try to get across what, what the point is, Yeah, you know, and yeah. you just keep going. And, and, and that's like, that's like the best thing that will guide you through a scene. And also improvising the previous beat and the post beat yeah. um, is really, really helpful in terms of like. Uh, cause other people who are afraid of acting are afraid of the lines. I think they're, they're, they're so focused on getting the lines right. Oh, that's, that's the, the biggest telltale of, yeah. a, of a bad actor. And we've, we've seen a million mm-hmm. like short films and around Boston where someone's just waiting, gritting their teeth. Yeah. Like, let me get this line. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say my yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. It's only about me. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also, uh, 
this is also a symptom of bad writing, but every scene has to begin with somebody walking through like, hi, kind of an, in, like, uh, yeah. like a sitcom sort of yeah. entrance. And then like at the end of the scene, everybody has exited. Yeah, the room. You don't need that. No, yeah. you just start um, in the middle. Yeah. Um, but people do feel that they, they can't just start in the middle. So you kind of, you let it, you arrive there through improv yeah. and it always feels much better. Did you end up like cutting a lot? before and after to get to that sort of yeah, yeah. natural conversation yeah. and midpoint. It's, it, 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 if, if you followed the movie with the script, yeah. it's just the script yeah. you know, at the end, the final edit, but getting there and getting it convincingly is, is a, it does require using improv as an acting tool without ultimately using improv. Right. That's really what yeah. it was. Um, and then the, everybody else was, was, was probably a real actor um, who I worked with, but yeah, it was, it was, I, I do think the relaxation is, is what helped that a lot. Um, the, we did a two camera shoot too. So there wasn't a lot of need to like nail marks or it's great. Yeah. Always be right where you're supposed to be. Um, we shot with this field recorder that we're recording with now. So everybody was just mic'd up. So part of it is that they're, they're going to be, and I, I didn't even think about this until just recently when I, uh, I interviewed one of our actors and he was like, I think what it was, was that they felt the, the non-actors felt free to move move in the space that they needed to move in. Move I think freely. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, well, so how do you do that it, yeah. in a really constricted film set where yeah. you have like, you, you have to nail my frame and you're too far from the mic. Well, you mic everybody up and you get more I, cameras. Everyone tenses up when that happens. Yeah. They, yeah. they start to become way too conscious of the fact that you're making a movie. Right. Right. Um, focus on hitting your mark, focus on getting mm-hmm. into this light. It's, it's becomes like surgery. So that was that, that that's it. Now the next movie I want it to be much, uh, much more deliberately visual. Yeah. Um, there's, there, there are things I want to accomplish visually because I really haven't worked that muscle out. And, um, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I think that I'm going to have to, I think it's just going to be a lot of advanced planning with the DP and visiting the locations with him so that the actors can be free, but he knows what to do and I know what to do and I'm not going to act in it. Do you think it's, I'm starting to think it's more about rehearsing, you know, spending a little more time just trying to like collaborate with your actors, rehearse improv, so that when you get to set, it's not just like figuring shit out yeah. right then and there. And like, they're already comfortable. And yep. now you've like discovered some things before. And you're an accomplished enough filmmaker. They know who you are. They know you're going to get what you want that you could, you could go to actors and be like, um, you know, I, I, I want somebody who really wants to build this with me and create this with yeah. me. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is through rehearsal. They'll make the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we were able to do that a lot. Uh, on sexually frank and I, I wouldn't trade that for the world on the next movie. Yeah, for sure. It's free. You know, it, it, it doesn't require all those elements that you like getting into the location and yeah, getting the equipment in place and all that. It's just, it's just talking, talking it out and it doesn't have to be about line memorization. It really shouldn't be about line sure. memorization. So that's what people obsess about. So, um, so what about a feature maybe? Yes. So yeah, going into, going into the, um, MFA program in media art. I was thinking, you know, I had this like really grand short film that is everything that, that I love, you know, it's, it's, it's silent. It's got live sound effects and live music, but, um, I want, I'm sort of wanting to take a break from that style and expand something into a feature. So I started almost like two weeks ago to sketch out ideas for Mm -hmm. a feature, which is just, sort of my take on Frankenstein. I'm, I'm was always really obsessed with the universal monsters um, yeah, as a yeah, kid. Yeah, of course. And as I get older, I, I'm, you know, those obsessions sort of open back up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but my, my story so far is really just about, you know, this like father who reanimates his son or like a, just a dead kid. Cause he wants to have, he does it out of love. Yeah. This kid turns in, into this just horrible person and he has to coexist and love this thing that, you know, he, he doesn't really want to, but he's, he's keeping it alive. Mm-hmm. So he has to decide whether he wants to destroy it or continue to, you know, love it despite all its flaws. Would you still want to keep that level of art design up? You know, because it's a feature, I, I, I don't think I could, I don't think I could. You're ready I, I to let go of that a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it could be as stylized. Mm-hmm. I think it would be more about, so it feels like we're reversing roles here. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I want to do something that's more like performance based. Yep. And, improv scenes and really give my actors something to work from. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, make that all work. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they'll, uh, they were a little freaked out by feature as thesis. Uh, cause actually Frank was my thesis, but they were, yeah, well, cause they don't want anybody to fail and they don't want, and, and their experience is if a student filmmaker tries to make a feature, they will fall on their face. But all I had to do is be like, I've made movies it's like before, I've, guys. I've done a couple of these. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've made movies before, and and you're, you'll you'll be the same, and they'll they'll buy it. Um, but there'll be other kids that they'll be. <laughs> they actually told me they were like, don't don't say like, could you please mention that you've done this before? <laughs> yeah. If you're ever going to talk to anybody about it, because they don't. Yeah, they they want people to not bite up bite off more than they can chew, chew, which I disagree with. I think you should bite off more than you can chew. Well, you have these great resources yeah. surrounding you for three years. Like, why not take advantage of them? And I, and when I in Rome. Like, yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, short films are great. They, you know, they'll play at a few film festivals. It's really satisfying. You can communicate a vision in a short amount of time. But I, I just, I think every filmmaker has to sort of graduate towards mm-hmm. feature filmmaking at some point. Yeah. Um, just, you know, and, and, and if you don't just do it, then you, you may never. Right. Um, right. You know, it's like, it's not like you're going to make like, okay, now I've made an hour long movie. Now I'm going to make an hour and 10 minutes. Like eventually I just jump. Well, that's, the- that's what I, that's what I liked about your film. Like, I feel like if you did it as a 30 minute film, it, it would have been funny and you would have gotten some things across, but it, it couldn't have worked. It yeah. couldn't have worked. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have felt like you understood those characters. Yeah. And by the end, the payoff would have just been it would have been fake. It would have been, it would have been more of a punchline than it it would have been like a, a a growth to that moment. Right. Right. And that's how I feel like the more I make short films, I get to this point where I start to understand the characters and Mm. and the, that world and you can keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You can keep going. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Um, and, and and I hope you contact me throughout the whole thing and I'm, I'm here. I work here. Yeah. So, uh, so that's great. And, um, and people should really go to, uh, to overdue films on Vimeo. Vimeo. Yeah. Um, JP, what a fantastic conversation. Thanks for doing this with me.